welcome back to another episode of the Hockey Talk Podcast, giving you up-to-date news, stats, and scores from around the NHL. I'm your host, Will, and in today's episode of the Hockey Talk Podcast, I will give you my opinion on whether or not I think the Buffalo Sabres can finally get into the playoffs with the moves they made this offseason, and why Mike Hoffman, the biggest unrestricted free agent left, hasn't signed with anyone yet, and some potential landing spots for him. But right before we get into that, make sure you follow the Hockey Talk Podcast on Instagram and Twitter to get notified when we post new episodes, to give feedback on the episodes, and to let us know what topics you'd want to hear our opinions and our thoughts on. Also, go subscribe to the Hockey Talk Podcast on YouTube. I will be posting individual clips and segments of the Hockey Talk Podcast there, so definitely go check that out if you're interested. Just search up the Hockey Talk Podcast and it should come right up. Now, let's get right into the topics of this week's episode. Now, starting off with the Buffalo Sabres topic, last season the Sabres were one of the eight teams who missed the play-in rounds of the playoffs. They went 30-31-8 in the regular season, so honestly they didn't do too terrible. But the Sabres franchise center Jack Eichel started to get fed up with the losing. He publicly addressed his frustration with the team, which led them, which led to him being into in trade rumors. Which is obviously probably not something the Buffalo Sabres management wanted to hear, so they decided to make a big splash in the offseason and go out and get a couple of key pieces that I think will help them help lead them into the playoffs. During the offseason, the Sabres added some really good players, like I just said, to the team, but they also lost a couple players as well. One of the significant additions they made during the offseason was bringing in left winger Taylor Hall. This was by far the biggest move they made, and I really like it. Hall had 16 goals, 36 assists for 52 points in 65 games. Hall can definitely put up much better numbers than that, but he really hasn't had much of a chance to succeed. He played in Edmonton from 2010 to 2016, had some decent years putting up anywhere from 50 to 80 points a season, but never really got the chance to play with a superstar playmaker like Connor McDavid because he was drafted in 2015 and Hall was traded to the Devils in 2016. Hall's second year in New Jersey was phenomenal, and he had a career-high 93 points in 76 games. But ever since then, Hall really hasn't produced as much as people, including myself, think he can. That's why I love Taylor Hall to Buffalo. He can play on the top line with Eichel and Reinhardt. Eichel's a great playmaker, so he can just feed the puck to Hall, and Hall can score because he's labeled as a sniper and has one of the best shots in the NHL. So this move works out great for everyone. Hall finally has someone who can feed the puck to him, and Eichel finally has someone to feed the puck to. The Sabres signed Hall to a one-year $8 million deal. I think this is a great contract because it's very, very low risk. If the Sabres can get into the playoffs and Hall starts to really produce... I think Hall might stick around if he thinks the Sabres can win a Stanley Cup in the near future. If not, he'll go sign with a legitimate Stanley Cup contender because Hall is getting older. He was drafted 10 years ago. Now, Hall, um, during the offseason, he was one of the biggest free agents out there. And there were some rumors that he was getting offers from teams like Colorado and legitimate Stanley Cup contenders. But he decided to turn it down or turn those offers down and go to Buffalo, a place where they haven't made the playoffs in a while, 
and in hopes that he's one of the reasons why they make the playoffs um, to help Jack Eichel out. Um, I just think it's a great move by Taylor Hall. I think it's a great deal um, for the Buffalo Sabres. And I just, all in all, really like the uh, the signing by the Buffalo Sabres in adding Taylor Hall. The second big addition to the Buffalo Sabres was center Eric Stahl. If you guys didn't know, Stahl was part of a one-for-one trade with Minnesota that sent Marcus Johansson to Minnesota in exchange for Eric Stahl. Stahl had 19 goals, 28 assists for 47 points in 66 games last season. And I love this move for the Sabres because Stahl is the perfect second-line center who can get you 40 to 50 points. Stahl has one year left on his contract worth uh, $3.25 million. So it's the perfect contract, too. If Stahl doesn't work out with the team, they're not paying him much, and it's the last season of his contract, so there's no risk involved, and they don't have to resign him. Uh, during the offseason, the Sabres also did sign some depth guys like Cody Eakin to replace guys that they lost this offseason, um, which I'm about to talk about, the guys that they lost this offseason. But I didn't want to make this episode longer than it uh, has to be. So I decided to just talk about the most significant players they added and lost. One of the most significant players the Sabres lost this season was Marcus Johansson. Like I said earlier, they traded him for Eric Stahl, which was just a phenomenal trade in my opinion. So I don't think they'll miss Johansson too much. In my opinion, Eric Stahl makes up and adds a little more scoring than Johansson ever did on the Buffalo Sabres. Johansson had 9 goals, 21 assists for 30 points in 60 games last season. So Stahl produces much better than Johansson does, but there's the only upside to Johansson over Stahl is that Johansson is much younger than Stahl. Stahl is 36 years old, while Johansson is only 30 years old. Marcus Johansson also has one year left on his deal at $4.5 million, so Buffalo got the better end of the trade as of right now. Stahl's on a, a much lower contract. They both have one year left, but they're paying Stahl a little bit less for a better player. Next player the Sabres lost this offseason was Dominic Cahoon. Cahoon left in free agency and signed with the Edmonton Oilers. Um, Cahoon is still very young at 25 years old, but in three seasons in the NHL, he's played for three different teams, and he's never been able to score at a good enough pace. I think losing Cahoon isn't that bad. He was a deft player at best, and not having him on the roster makes room for Sabres young guys like Dylan Cousins to come up and try and make an impact. So all in all, this isn't really a terrible loss. The last significant player that the Sabres lost this offseason that I'm going to talk about is Wayne Simmons. Simmons is a very gritty fourth liner, and not much more than that. He'll go out and throw around the body and isn't afraid to drop the gloves. Simmons has 8 goals, 17 assists for 25 points in 68 games this season. The Sabres didn't really need him on the fourth line anymore, and isn't quite good enough for the third line in my opinion, so this is another loss I don't think the Sabres mind too much. So I've talked about Buffalo's past couple of seasons and some of the additions they've made as well as some of the losses they had during the offseason. Now I'm going over the projected lines for this upcoming season and then give you guys my prediction on whether or not I think they'll make the playoffs and what their record slash season might look like. Forwards, the first line, Taylor Hall, Jack Eichel, and Sam Reinhart. The second line, Jeff Skinner, Eric Stahl, and Victor Olofsson. Third line, Tobias Reeder, Cody Eakin, and Dylan Cousins. The fourth line, Zemlis Gergensens, Kurt- Curtis Lazar, and Kyle Ocposo. 
I think the forward group is much better than last season. Eichel finally has someone on his left wing that he can feed the puck to and someone who can score. The second line looks a lot better as well. I like Stahl a lot as that second line Skinner. If Skinner can put up anywhere from 20 to 25 goals and Olafson can keep producing like he did last season before he got hurt, this could be a very deadly top six. The third line isn't too bad either. Cody Eakin fits in well with that third line center position, and Tobias Reeder isn't bad either. The third line kind of depends on how. Uh, yeah, the third line kind of depends on how Cousins does in his rookie season. If he has a good rookie season, then that third line will be much more reliable and more useful. Um, and then the fourth line is just that gritty line that'll go out there and throw the body around a bit. It's not a line that's going to go out there and get you a lot of points, but it's a line that'll go out there and play a really physical game. All in all, I think the forward group looks really good. The only moves I can see them making at the deadline to improve the team is maybe at the deadline, depending on how the third line is doing. They can trade for a really solid depth scorer. They should only do that if they're either in a playoff spot or really close to one. Now the defense, the first pair is Rasmus Dahlin and Colin Miller. Second pair, Rasmus Ristolainen and Brandon, Brandon Montour. The third pair is Jake McCabe and Henry Yoki Haru. Now the defense isn't terrible, but it isn't as good as the offense in my opinion. I like Dahlin a lot. I think he's going to become a very good defenseman for them. The only problem I see is having Colin Miller on that first defensive pairing. I don't see him as a first pair D-man, but I think this situation is fine, especially since Miller is more of a defensive guy, unlike Dahlin, who's a very good offensive defenseman. The second pair isn't horrible, but I would like to see Ristolainen have a better defensive game. His offensive numbers aren't too bad. Montour could put up better numbers than he is, but it's not really necessary. In my opinion, if both Montour and Ristolainen can have better defensive games, then the second pair isn't bad at all. The third defensive pairing is kind of your shutdown D pair. Um, both of them can put up 20 to 25 points, and Henry Yoki Haru is only 21, so I don't mind this third pairing at all. Overall, I don't think the defense is that bad. One thing to look out for is that second pairing, though. If they can play better defense and still put up offensive numbers, then that will help the forward. That, that will help them a lot toward a playoff spot, but if they can't, then there might be a problem. That might be another thing that they look at at the deadline is um, getting another defenseman, a better defenseman, maybe finally trading Rasmus Ristolainen if he's not producing very well, but only time will tell. The goaltenders for the Buffalo Sabres are Carter Hutton and Linus Allmark. Honestly, in my opinion, goaltending is the biggest question mark on this team. Uh, it surprised me a little that they didn't go out and get a goalie this offseason, especially since there were so many goalies in free agency. I don't think Carter, Carter Hutton is a starter anymore. I think for these goalies to succeed, they both have to play decent and either play as a tandem or Allmark finally has to have that breakthrough year and become the number one goalie for the Sabres. Some people are saying that the move is to have Allmark as a starter and hope he plays well. If he doesn't and the Sabres are close to a playoff spot or barely in one, I could see the Sabres making a move at the deadline for a starting goaltender or even just a stronger goaltender that'll help him a little bit more. 
Um, now it's time for my predictions for this upcoming season. There are definitely a couple question marks on this team. The second pair of defense, how good the goalies are going to play. But all in all, I think the moves they made this season, like acquiring Taylor Hall and Eric Stahl, um, are great moves. Uh, I think if goaltending can play decent enough, then the defense can play and the defense can play good defensively, then they'll have a good season. If not, I think the Sabres might not do so well. For my final opinion, though, I think the Sabres will make the playoffs in that one or two wildcard spot. Um, they're definitely going to be a wildcard team. I don't think they're going to be top three in the Atlantic. I don't think they're going to beat out Boston, Tampa, or... Um, shit, who's that other team in the Metro? Or not the Metro, the Atlantic... Not sure, but I don't think that they're going to be one of those top three teams in the Atlantic. So I think they're going to either be that one or two wild card spot. In my opinion, most likely two, if anything. Now, after going over um, the Buffalo Sabres and how their offseason went and what they're looking like for next season, it's time for me to go over um, Mike Hoffman. It's been long enough. It's been, I think it was like nine weeks since free agency started, and Mike Hoffman, one of the biggest free agents um, that was going to hit the open market before this even started, is still available. Um, if you don't know what's going on, winger Mike Hoffman is still in free agency. Um, Hoffman is a consistent 30-goal scorer and is great on the power play. Um, so why is Hoffman available and where could he land? Uh, here are my thoughts and opinions. Like I said, Hoffman's a very good top six winger. He's a sniper and can put up 30-plus goals a season. He's very good on the power play, but there are some things keeping teams from signing him. He's asking for somewhere between 5 to $6 million per year, and with this season having a flat cap, many teams are up against the cap, and they don't have that kind of money. Some teams are most likely waiting for the asking price to go down, so where could he land? I put four teams together that could be the right fit for Mike Hoffman. First team being the Boston Bruins. As most people may know, the Boston Bruins have one of the best scoring first lines in the NHL with Marchand, Bergeron, and Pasternak. But their secondary scoring hasn't been the greatest. They brought in Craig Smith this offseason to help with that, but a guy like Mike Hoffman would be huge. Another big reason that Bruins should consider this is their second best, their two best players in Marchand and Pasternak are going to be out until at least February recovery, recovering from surgeries. But when the team is healthy, they could have a second line of DeBrusque, Krejci, and Hoffman. You'll see this trend in a lot of teams I talk about, but they don't have very much cap space. The Bruins only have $2.9 million left in cap space, so they would have to move someone to sign him. The second team I have on my list that would be a good fit for Mike Hoffman is the Columbus Blue Jackets. Hoffman would be a great fit in Columbus because they badly need scoring depth. Winger Gustav Nyquist is going to be out for a good chunk of time with an injury as well. So adding a guy like Hoffman would be a good idea. Hoffman can definitely play top line with Dubois, but that also leads me to another point. While the Blue Jackets do have $9.2 million in cap space, they still haven't signed restricted free agent Pierre-Luc Dubois. Dubois is definitely their top priority, um, but Hoffman definitely shouldn't be out of the picture completely. The third team I have on my list for a good landing spot for Mike Hoffman is the New York Islanders. The New York Islanders would be the perfect fit for Hoffman. He could play top line with Matthew Barzell, giving the Islanders insane depth. New York is very cap-strapped, though. They still haven't signed superstar Matthew Barzell, and they have just under $4 million. 
They lost defenseman Devon Taves for some picks to try and free up cap space, but there still isn't nearly enough room. If they were able to sign Barzell to a one or two year bridge deal, then they could try and trade someone like Jordan Eberle, and maybe they would have enough cap space to sign Mike Hoffman as well. The only reason I include the Islanders in this is because it's been talked about a lot before and just because of how good the fit would be for Mike Hoffman in Long Island. The fourth and final team I've picked out to sign Mike Hoffman is the Los Angeles Kings. The Kings desperately need a scorer on their team. They finished the season with a 2.53 goals per game and a 17.1 power play percentage. He would fit right in on that top line with Kopitar and on the first power play unit. The Kings do have plenty of cap space with $13 million, but the Kings are rebuilding, so does it really make much sense for the Kings to go out and sign him for two to four years at $6 million, which is half of their cap space? I don't think it makes that much sense for the Kings, but the Kings are an interesting team to look at. If they did sign him, I think the contract would make for some cap issues in the future. So is it really worth it for right now? Because they're not really contending for a playoff spot at all. So I don't know. Those are the four teams I picked out that could sign slash would be a good fit for Mike Hoffman. Hopefully you guys enjoyed this episode of the Hockey Talk podcast. Again, make sure to go follow the Hockey Talk podcast on both Instagram and Twitter so you can stay up to date with news on the podcast. Also, go subscribe to the Hockey Talk podcast on YouTube. I will be posting individual clips and segments of the podcast there, so definitely go check that out. Until next time, peace.